0: between my freshman and sophomore year in college, I spent the summer on a kibbutz with my college friend Paul Vogel, a brother to this day. I was 20 years old, the modern state of Israel was 29. Even growing up in a secular Jewish home in Buffalo, New York, I was well steeped in the Israel narrative on November, 29th, 1947, the United Nations General Assembly voted to adopt a plan to partition Palestine into two states, one Jewish and one Arab. Some of you may remember that exuberant moment for Jews around the world. Bolivia, yes. Brazil, yes. And on it went. The Arab countries voted as a bloc against it. Some six months later, May 14, 1948, in sync with the internationally agreed upon termination of the British control over Palestine, David Ben-Gurion declared independence for the state of Israel. Simultaneously, the five surrounding Arab countries launched an attack against the barely nascent Jewish state. Against all odds, nothing less than a modern David and Goliath story, Israel triumphed in what we know as the War of Independence. It's a narrative of mythic proportions. That summer of 77, I fell in love with Israel, the land, and the people. Little did I know at the time that the seeds were planted for a religious awakening that would take another 20 years to blossom. My parents, of blessed memory, were surely not active Zionists. Yet, when it came to supporting the Jewish National Fund campaign to reforest Israel, there were no B'nai Mitzvah kids that didn't receive a certificate for a tree planted in their name. When Israel bonds came knocking at the door, not too many members of my parents' Jewish country club said no. Israel was a source of great pride. Financially supporting the young state made even the most assimilated Jews feel connected to the miracle of returning to the land of Israel and the heroes that fought for its independence. American Jews stood up taller. That was then, and this is now. The near unconditional support of Israel in my parents' generation, and even in mine, can no longer be taken for granted. I'd like to explore why, and most importantly, what we can do about it. Dr. Daniel Gordis, American born Israeli author's latest book, is entitled We Stand Divided The Rift Between American Jews and Israel. Gordis posits that the responsibility for the divide is due in part to American Jews' misunderstanding that Israel is not simply a miniature America in a bad neighborhood. Fundamentally, Gordas argues, the American project is expressed by the words of Emma Lazarus on the Statue of Liberty. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to be free. In other words, America was conceived to be open to everyone, privileging, at least in principle, no ethnicity, no religion, no race. The Israel Project, on the other hand, as their declaration of independence establishes at the outset, the land of Israel was the birthplace of the Jewish people. In other words, Although the Declaration of Independence also extends equal rights in principle to non-Jews, the state of Israel exists to be a Jewish state. Gordas continues that those things that trigger criticism from American Jews, like the lack of religious pluralism due to the outsized power of the ultra-Orthodox hierarchy, like The collateral damage that comes with the right and power to protect itself. While Gordas tells us they're just not central concerns for Israelis. They come with the turf, as it were. Given that 85% of the world's Jewish population is split between Israel and America, it's abundantly clear to Gordas that we need each other, he calls for more humility on both sides and concludes that we are overdue for a serious conversation to deepen our understanding of each other's differences, successes, and vulnerabilities. So I would say in all due respect, Dr. Gordis, you are one conversation ahead of us. Before American Jews can have a thoughtful conversation with our brethren in Israel, we need to do so with one another. The dynamics of the divide between American Jews and Israel will change only when we can bridge the divide right here at home. The singular challenge for us is to re-examine the nature of relationships. Being an Ahavat Yisrael, a lover of Israel, a pro-Israel advocate, is not one size fits all. Our response to criticism about Israel is not limited to defending all that is good about Israel, and there is a lot, while at the same time pointing out the absence of a true partner for peace. Mature, healthy relationships require being able to actively listen to one another without formulating a response or rebuke with the first hint of disagreement. This is true as much on the left as it is on the right. Loyalty and criticism are not mutually exclusive, and the depth of love and respect is not contingent upon two parties agreeing with one another. To the contrary, growth in relationships come when you're able to hear things that challenge your worldview and truths that may be hard to hear about yourself. The bedrock, the bedrock of Judaism lies in critical thinking, and multiple perspectives. That's what Torah and Talmud are all about. Rabbi Aleph says on one hand, Rabbi Bet says on the other hand. Yes, at the end of the day, you have to arrive at a decision, but you do so considering every position, not the least of which may come from your adversary. The breakdown in the American Jewish community comes when conflicting statements and narratives drive us into opposite camps. For example, Jerusalem is the eternal, undivided capital of Israel. Jerusalem is the shared capital between three Abrahamic faiths. The settlements ensure Israel's security The settlements are the intentional obstacle of a two-state solution. The 700,000 Arabs that left their homes in Palestine at the beginning of the 1948 war was at the direction of their own Arab leadership. The 700,000 Arabs were driven out of their homes by Jews at the beginning of the 1948 war. Israel's occupation of the West Bank serves to protect Israeli citizens from Palestinian terrorism. Israeli occupation of the West Bank serves to drive Palestinians into despair and ultimately lose interest in pursuit of their own homeland. The Palestinians' goal is to destroy the Jewish state the Palestinian goal is to live in peace in their own land. Enough. By failing to acknowledge or understand that there are truths in multiple narratives, we not only drive a deeper wedge between sides, we are doing a great disservice to our children, and in the long run, to Judaism and Israel. When our kids go off to college, they are often blindsided when confronted with contrary narratives they have never been exposed to before. Their Jewish identity can feel like a rug pulled out from under them. I would be the first to say that congregations, including Temple Solel, can be better partners with Hillel and other Jewish campus organizations by preparing students before they arrive. We can foster a love of Judaism and Israel while gradually widening the lens to see both Judaism and Israel in a more nuanced light. Understanding the bigger picture strengthens our identity, it doesn't diminish it. Being educated and well-versed on all sides of an issue and different narratives doesn't make our young people susceptible to walking away from their Jewish identity or turning their back on Israel. To the contrary, we want to create a community that can honor multiple narratives while looking for solutions to strengthen us all. One young woman who just returned from a college birthright trip to Israel this summer, shared the following. On the ground in the region, I found that such a binary narrative failed to capture the complexity of this value-based conflict and the prospects for peace. Yet what struck me the most was not the reality of such complexity, but its absence in many of our conversations on campus and in the greater Jewish community. an absence, she concludes, we must remedy if we value informed and meaningful dialogue. Now those are words of wisdom. As it is for young adult Jews coming back from Israel, inspired by stories of courageous relationships, so can such stories help bring the American Jewish community together. This was precisely my goal in traveling to Israel during my sabbatical to meet with and bring back stories of courageous leadership. I met with leaders and organizations breaking old molds that reinforced division. Leaders instead engaged in creating new models of collaboration around education, economic development, and advocacy. Temple Solel and the JNF co-hosted an incredible evening in August, bringing together an Israeli Jew and a Jordanian-Palestinian, two alumni from the Aravai Institute for Environmental Studies. Um, You, most of you have on your seat uh, information about a partnership that Temple Salel is hosting with Northern Arizona University's Martin Springer Institute uh, to host Mohammed Darwashi from Givat Haviva, speaking about creating an equal society between Israeli Jews and Arab citizens. As you'll see from this short bio, it's quite an honor for us to be able to bring Mohammed to Solel in the greater community. I hope you'll come and uh, Azra Hussein, um, I am hoping that you're going to help promote this evening. Um, there's a lot of witnesses that just heard that. <laughs> so I invite you on that night to open yourself to a different narrative. I want to talk to you about one more organization, the one that most touched me in my trip to Israel. The name of the organization is Parents Circle Family Forum. Their membership consists of Jewish family members whose son or daughter, brother or sister have been killed at the hand of a Palestinian. And Palestinian family members whose son or daughter, brother or sister have been killed at the hand of an Israeli. Literally, face to face, listening to the story of one another's unimaginable grief, these families have summoned the strength and courage to release their hatred and vengeance, breaking the endless cycle of eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. For them to draw the line and say, enough, is enough challenging their respective political leaders to get back to the table and figure out a sustainable peace. If these families, the most unlikely to set their rage to the side, can come together and hear the story of their enemies in such a way as they begin to see them as brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters who can share the same land, well, my goodness, what excuse do any of us have to not be able to listen to a different narrative and a different perspective? I met members of Parent Circle Family Forum this past March in Tel Aviv, where I spent two hours walking with one of the co-directors, Rami Elchanan, Here's the short version of Rami's story. Forty-six years ago today, he fought in the Yom Kippur War, losing a number of his comrades, embittered, cynical, and furious by the cumulative toll of war. Ten years later, on the eve of Yom Kippur, his daughter Samadar was born at Hadassah Hospital, the sweet apple of her father and mother's eye. At 14 years old, just a few days before Yom Kippur, Samardar and two girlfriends were on Ben Yehuda Street in Jerusalem buying school books when two Palestinian suicide bombers ended the three girls' lives. Rami through another Jewish father who lost a son, was introduced to Parents Circle Family Forum. So there I was walking next to Rami as he's telling me his story. Hundreds of Israelis and Palestinians, hand in hand, marching down Rothschild Boulevard, including me, carrying flowers and posters with messages of ending violence and peacemaking most of the horn beeping were in support of the message of being the messages being carried down tel aviv's most beautiful tree-lined promenade but not all although i felt the venom of the words being shouted out the windows of some of the passing cars rami had to translate one man shouted i wish you would have been blown up with your daughter Another, give me that flower so that I can place it upon your grave. I could not imagine a fellow Israeli expressing such hatred to another Israeli, both men who fought in the IDF in defense of the state of Israel. Remarkably, remarkably, Rami, wasn't surprised or embittered. Rami understood that the comments were driven by fear, Israelis feeling threatened by the prospects of making peace with those considered their enemy. Rami, too, feels fear. For him, it's the existential threat of not making peace two Israeli veterans who love their country coming from two very different places. Israel is a complex place. Listening to one another and developing courageous relationships is not easy. But if these family members, Israelis and Palestinians, can challenge their grief into hearing one another, for the sake of peace, my goodness, we should be able to do so as American Jews. Why is this so deeply important to me? Now, 42 years after my summer on a kibbutz in Israel, my love has deepened by a more nuanced, mature relationship with Israel with Israel, with Judaism, and the Jewish people. I believe that what binds the Jewish people together is the evolving wisdom of Torah that continues to flow from the land of Israel and its impact on how we act in the world. I believe that the sovereign state of Israel, along with providing refuge for Jews, can still be an or le goyim, a light to the nations. Not in any chosen people sense of exceptionalism, but that the Jews, a mere 0.2% of the world's population, that the Jews still have something priceless to offer that the world desperately needs, tikvah, hope. Before returning to the States, I had the blessing of spending Shabbat at the home of my dear friend Rachel Back and her family. I awoke early in the morning to watch the sunrise over the hills of the Western Galilee from Rachel's back porch in the village of Ya'ad. The Israeli and Arab villages in the distance were blurred one indistinguishable from the other. My eyes focused on the rising sun through the blue glass orb, holding the reflection of a new dawn, suspended by the steady unseen hand of love and hope. It made me think of Rami Elchanan and courageous relationships It gave me hope. It gives me hope.